Well, today we are kicking off a brand new series entitled Building the Church. One of my most favorite topics um, is to talk about the church. Um, you've heard me echo this from another preacher, and I probably say it probably once, two to three times a year, uh, because I believe it's very true. And this one preacher says that he believed that the church is the hope of the world. And I have kind of adopted that statement because I truly do believe that the church is the hope of the world. And you want to think about it, it's a big statement. Now, when I talk about the church, I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. Because depending on who you talk to today, uh, there are many kind of different ideas about what church is. And we'll kind of talk about that a little bit in this message. But So when I talk about the church, I'm talking about the church that Jesus Christ built. And so... I primarily believe that the church is the hope of the world because God has ordained that salvation and redemption be realized through the local church. In other words, the church is that vehicle. It is that light in a community, that light in the world that helps to point people to Jesus Christ. He has left us with this ministry of reconciliation. He has given it to the church. And unless you live on some other planet and you are in complete isolation, then you would realize that the church is under severe attack. It continues to be under severe attack. Our message is rejected because it has a very narrow focus. And our message is one uh, that is Christ. And we live in a world today that what's in today actually is more of a secularism or universalism, which means that that all roads kind of lead to God. doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're being good, whatever that means, as long as you're doing the kind of the, the best that you can and, and you're loving. It really doesn't matter. And what you have found and what we've have found is that people have, and it started a long time ago, but really, uh, twisting or perverting, if you will, what the real church is. And it's up to the church to raise up the, the, the standard and put our feet down and say, no, this is what thus says the Lord is. This is what the Bible says. So I believe, for lack of better words, the church is being, you got pardon my language here, but I'm going to, I got to say something to kind of get you awake this morning. But I believe the church is kind of being punked today. And what I mean by that is that we're being intimidated because of the onslaught of the opposition that we're facing as a people. So the church then is at a crossroads and is trying to decide whether or not it wants to be popular to keep the people coming and keep the money flowing. Or do we want to uh, identify totally and completely with Christ, uh, jeopardizing and realizing that we're going to lose a whole lot of that worldly support. And one of the things that Jesus says is that in this world, he says that not only are we going to have trouble, but he says that the closer we want to get to him, the more isolated the world is going to push us. The, the, more, the more isolated we will become to the world. And I think that uh, a lot of us, we still struggle with that concept because the pressure can be so immense. And it is immense. And this is what Satan wants. Because if we say that the church is the hope of the world, then the church got to be the church. 
And we got to understand that if the church is really and truly being the church, that is the only way that we're going to change the world. Understanding that God has left us here so that we can change the world. I know it seems like a large task, but to the degree that we stay committed to what God says in the, in the midst of the onslaught of opposition, right? Because there's this wave of opposition in and, and, and the church. We are in the minority. I mean, gosh, I mean, every time I turn around, man, there is pressure. We're being called names and, and uh, you know, the media is slamming the church in many different ways. And, and more and more, and I don't want to even say the name, but more and more, if, you, if you've been paying attention this week, even preachers are not being true to the word. They're, they're afraid or they're acquiescing to a lifestyle that is contrary to what the book says. So then the, the only way that we're going to have the kind of success that God wants us to have is that we got to be true to his word. There got to be a voice that cries out in the wilderness. How do you know that John was that only voice? But he was crying out in the wilderness when everybody else was looking at him like he was crazy. How do you know that they will look at us like that? But how many of you are willing to be a fool for Jesus, right? I mean, willing to be a fool for Christ. And so if we understand now, then the church is God's primary vehicle in the earth in which he introduced Christ to a dying world, then we got to embrace the message. We got to embrace everything that the church is. And the church embodies the message of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. The church or the true church embodies the message of Jesus Christ. Now, Consequently, there are a lot of so-called churches that are, uh, they have other messaging or, 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 or I like to put it to you, I like to say it this way. They like to kind of water down the gospel. They take bits and pieces. And if you really think about it, every one of these so-called um, uh, uh, correct doctrines or, or these uh, so-called religions, all of them take parts of the Bible that they like, right? And they kind of put it all together and make it to make it fit and say what they wanted to say. But that's not being the true church. How many know that Jesus wants us to preach the whole gospel? The whole gospel, nothing but the truth. The truth and nothing but the truth. That is what the church is called to do. And that must be what we are committed to no matter what. And so what I want to talk about this morning is, so let's answer the question about the church, who it is, and what are our, what's our purpose. Because watch this. Let me, let me help you get this. Let me help you get this in your spirit. So everything that God is doing is for one purpose. You got to get that. Everything. Your jobs, your careers, your relationships, your families. Everything exists for one purpose. And that is for the glory of God. Now, everything that we do as a people is to this end that we might be a light in a dark world to help men who are groping in darkness to see the light of Jesus Christ. This is why you have personal struggles. Lord, let me help you with this. This is why Satan fights you on every level of your life. This is why you face such oppositions because, because understand that, that God has planted us here. He's left us here with the goal of evangelizing with the goal of preaching the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And so Satan will do everything that he can to distract us from that purpose. And one of the things that I have discovered in my own personal life is one of the ways to get the devil off your back is to get busy about doing God's work. I've discovered that to be a reality. One of the ways to get the devil off your back is to get busy and stay busy doing the work of God. Let me tell you something. That'll, that'll push him off you in a heartbeat. But let me talk. Let's kind of go back to this particular verse that we started with the passage over in Matthew chapter number 16. Jesus now is he's talking to his disciples. He's having a conversation with Peter and he's setting him up. I, I love Jesus and the way he communicated because he was just such a wonderful communicator, but he never wasted words. Everything Jesus ever said, it was always it was always cooked in some kind of purpose. I mean, it, it was, he just never threw words out there. So wherever he, whenever he said something, there was always a destination in mind. So he didn't waste words. And so he's kind of having this conversation with his disciples and he wants to set the stage because he understands now. He understands that his time is almost up. He only came here for a set period of time. And the ministry that he began, that he started, that he knew that his disciples would have to carry that. They would have to carry that ministry. And so he's preparing them for what is about to take place. And so he has a very, very simple question. He says here, if you're looking at Matthew chapter number 16, he asked them a question and, and basically says, he says, who do men say that the Son of Man am? He says, when you talk to all the people in the community and you ask them some questions, who do they say that I am? I want you to say, what do they say? Well, Jesus, guys and disciples say, well, some say you're Elijah, Isaiah. I mean, all kind of stuff. You know, people say different things. And, and, but then Jesus took all that in, right? He takes it all in. He says, okay. And he said, now I want to ask you a question. He says, who do you say that I am? That's important. Now, think about it. He asked them a question which seems to be like, well, you know, what's this all about? Um, who do men say that I am? But then he goes into, who do you say that I am? Because, see, it's one thing for the world to be confused about who Jesus is. But how many know if we're going to carry this gospel, if the church is going to fulfill her calling in her ministry, she can't be confused about who Jesus is. So we have to be 100% sure that we understand exactly who he is. Because if there's any confusion in that, then we won't have success. We will not be able, they, they would have not been able to carry the, the mantle of this gospel. The church would have been inept at best if the disciples don't really understand who he is. And so, so it's important. How many know that the same spirit got to carry on today? I'm amazed of how many people that go to church don't still are confused about who Jesus is. And you see it a lot of times. I mean, people who sit right in church and they still don't quite understand who he is. They understand what he did, but they still don't quite understand who he is. And how many know that Jesus is God in flesh? Right? That's an important aspect. That's just not something you just kind of throw out there. He is God in flesh. Now, if I understand that, that he is God in flesh, I look at him in a totally, look, I don't look at him like any, he's not any man now. This is different. This is on another level that I've never seen before. He is God in flesh. And here, and Peter, and Peter echoes that because if you look at it and in, in if you study in the Greek, that is essentially what Peter is saying when he says to Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. 
And, and right at that moment, and Peter knew exactly what he was saying. Jesus knew exactly what he was saying. He was, he was, he was essentially declaring Jesus as the God-man. You're the Son of God. You're the Christ. You are that one that God sent into the world. And Jesus says to Peter, Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And Jesus, as you note, he does not rebuke Peter. He does not say, Peter, why would you say such a thing? Jesus affirmed who he is. And one of the things that people want to do today is to make Jesus simply a mere man. How many know he's much greater than a mere man? He is God in flesh. Now, that is, that is a foundational piece because that's what the whole faith is built on, really, on the, on the nature of who Christ is. Let's keep going. He says, Peter, you're blessed because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. But then look what he says here. That's, like, he want to keep going. He says in verse number 18, and, and I also say to you that you're Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Get that into your spirit. He's upon this truth, Peter. You're Peter. And upon this truth. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, there's a couple of things that this verse tells me. This is amazing. So Jesus first says, right? He says, I will build my church. So make no mistakes about it. The church is built by Jesus Christ. There is no church outside of Jesus Christ. Men can call church whatever they want because church is, is, is really, it, the, the, the Greek word is ekklesia. It simply means the called out ones. Called out to Christ. So all these so-called churches, there is, and watch, now I know I get in trouble with a lot of people, but you know I'm willing to die on a hill if I have to do it alone. Anybody else want to come with me? There is but one church. And that is the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, watch this, I will build my church. It's his. So watch, if it's in his church, the message, oh, see, this is why I tell people all the time, I have no authority to change the word of God. I, I know this might sound better. I know this is more in line with what everybody else believes. How do you know that the world got its own belief system? I know this is more in line, but I have no authority. This is what I tell people all the time. I say, you know, for this, for your sake, I wish I could just kind of be um, with you, a team player, if you will, and just kind of go with the flow and kind of join in with it. But, 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 you know, I, you know, I, I can't, I can't do that. Um, you know, and, and, and you know, and, and, and people will, will get upset at you, but, but that's okay because. Jesus says, I will build my church. So then the message is not my message. So if it's not my message, I can't change the message. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I have no authority to change it. I can't try to manipulate it. I can't try to make it say something else because then I won't be true to the word. It's his church, his word, his message. And all I'm called to do and all you're called to do is to preach what? His message. It's his message. It's not yours. So at best, watch this. So at best, if you're worried about people jumping all over you, just if you're if you're such a wimp, just say, "Hey, it's, it's his message. I'm just I'm just doing what he. I'm just I'm just 
saying what he said. Leave me alone. This is his message. Do that. It's better to do that than to simply lie and water down God's truth. Are y'all hear what I'm saying, church? And I, and, I, and, I, you know, and I get frustrated because sometimes I see some of these preachers and they're talking, man, they're scared to death because how do you know money make people do crazy things? Y'all hear what I'm saying? Money will make people do crazy, and the devil just uses that thing, man. But how do you know that we don't want money at the, at the, we don't want money to the extent that we compromise truth? And there's a lot of people that do that. And I watch some stuff. I'm bored, mm, I will keep my mouth silent because I don't want to get, you know. But I watch some stuff, man, and it's like, man, that ain't the message. And, and you're talking about a church of thousands in here, and I know what the message, y'all hear what I'm saying, church. But because of the money and popularity, and I don't want to be ostracized, then I, I you know, for, this, for that, I, I just got to, I got to pipe this thing down. We're not being, we don't, the message ain't ours. It's his message. We are the bearers of, we carry the message. That's our calling, and we must be true to it. Jesus wasn't building a church based on secularism. Get it into your hearts. He's not building that. Secularism, universalism. He's not building a church like that. He's building a church based on the word of God and what God his father said and commanded. And how many know that God who created the heavens and the earth, he knows what is just. He knows what is true and he knows what is right because he alone is just, true, and righteous altogether. So what men have done then as a consequence of that, men have gone, if, if, unless, again, unless you live on another planet, men now have gone to create their own churches, right? I mean, you can find a church for anything you want today. That's why people go to, that's why people treat church like a smorgasbord. Did I say that correctly? You know, it's like a, 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 or a, a buffet. <laughs> I want this, I'll, I'll eat this for a little while. And then if I get tired of that, bam, I'll kick you to the side. I go try some ribs. I get tired of the ribs. I go try some get, You follow what I'm saying? Uh, it's, you know, and so we treat church that way because we're looking for a church that will gratify our own appetites. How many know that our fleshly appetites, I was having a discussion with my brother this morning, our fleshly appetites are anti-God. Trust me, your flesh ain't saved. Your spirit is, your flesh ain't. Keep that in mind. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 and 5 echoes my point here. He, this is Peter, I'm sorry, this is uh, Paul talking to his young Timothy, his protege, and he's giving him some instruction about the word of God. But I really believe this is applicable to us because this because if you think about it, Matthew 20, uh, Matthew uh, 28, 20, where it talks about Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, he's called us to preach. Every one of us, he called us to preach. Now, Paul here is talking to young Timothy, but it's applicable to us. It's in the same spirit. He tells Timothy, preach the word, not preach secularism, not preach what's popular. Preach the word. Everybody say the word. That means enable one word. The word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. In other words, there are times when people are going to be more open to it. And we live in a day and time today that people are less open to the word of God today. 
unless, again, people don't want to hear it. Or you hear a lot of our young people today, the millennial generation, are kind of a, a challenging the, the tenets of the faith to say that it's old-fashioned, outdated, and all of those things that have come along with that. So in other words, it's out of season. Preach the words, be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Watch this. For the time will come, and I will say the time is now. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Sound doctrine simply means the truth. That's all he's simply saying. They're not going to endure the truth. And here's the problem. I want all my young people in the back to listen to this too. Here's the problem. You look at most everybody around you and they have their own truth. And what most people are telling you is that this book is not true. That's the message that you're getting. But I want you to understand that God foresaw this. Jesus foresaw this. And he tells us that in the midst of all that, you preach the word in season, out of season. Stay committed to it. Don't change. Don't back away. Preach it in love, but stay committed to it. Always. Well, my... I might, I might lose my brother, you know, my, my, my sister, my wife, you know, they don't agree, and, or this, or that, and so in order to, to keep and make amends, um, I just got to kind of go with the flow. How many know the devil is a liar? Jesus, one of the things Jesus said, Jesus says, I came to cause division. To set a mother against his father. And he goes on to talk about these relationships. He, he's drawing the distinction. When it comes to my word, there is no compromise. There can be no compromise because, again, it's not my message. It's his. And if I'm going to be the church, the church which he created, he established, he determines the rules. It's plain and simple. If you want to be a Christian, you got to embrace Christian doctrine. Y'all listening to me this morning. So if you're not embracing Christianity, Christian doctrine, then you can't really say that really you're a Christian because you're in opposition. I meet people who tell me they're a Christian, but they don't believe half of what they read in the book. You're not a Christian then. You, you're, not, you're something else, but you're not a Christian. I'm not a perfect man and you're not a perfect woman. I'm not talking about perfection. But we all got to be in agreement that what God's word says is true. Are y'all with me? We all got to agree with that. Whether we are meeting the standard in our own personal life or not, the word of God is the word of God, and we must always uphold the integrity and the standard of this book. He says now, for the time will come when they will not, and I'll, again, I'll say it is now, watch this, they will not endure sound doctrine, truth, but watch this, according to their what? Own desires. That's it. According to my own desires. Remember I said before, your flesh ain't saved? So your flesh got wicked desires. See, people who don't know God, they are walking according to their fleshly appetites. And it's no wonder why their doctrine is in opposition against God. You know better because you walk not according to the flesh, but what? In the spirit. When you walk according to the flesh, then fleshly deeds you will do. Fleshly appetites you will have, and so then you will fashion a doctrine or a word that will be in, uh, 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 in sync with your fleshly appetites. 
And my fleshly appetites is already corrupt. We've already established that. He said, they will turn their ears away from the truth. But what, let me go back. He said, but according to their own desire, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves. Teachers. In other words, remember that smorgasbord mentality? I'm going to find me somebody that's going to teach and preach the way I want to do it. I'm going to find me somebody going to do it my way. Heap up for themselves. Teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth. Boy, are we living in that time right now, church. And be turned aside to fable. They'd rather believe a lie. But be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions and do the work of the evangelists. Fulfill your ministry. So what essentially what Paul is saying here to Timothy, I believe, and to all of us, that even in the midst of all that, with people perverting the gospel, coming up with their own idea of what church is and all this opposition, he said, in the midst of all that, be watchful. Endure affliction. Go ahead and endure it. It's going to be hard. Yes, they will talk about you. Yes, they'll ostracize you. Do the work of the evangelist. Fulfill the work that I told you to do. In other words, stay faithful to it. Now, now watch. Let me, let, me go back. let me go back to Matthew chapter 16. Because Jesus said this. Now watch. I'm going back to Matthew chapter 16. He, this, is, this is what he says. Um, which, which verse it is? Um, da, 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 da. He said, I will build my church. Same about your flesh, but has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Verse 18. Watch this. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now, that prevail signifies a struggle, right? It signifies a struggle. We are all in the struggle. We said that earlier this morning that it's all spiritual warfare for us in one way or the other. It really is. Particularly if you are committed to the things of God. It's a struggle. But I want you to understand something here. That he says, in the gates of hell will attack the church, but will not prevail against it. So I know this. Satan is going to attack the church. He's going to attack the message. It's going to be hard. There's going to be a struggle. The reason why. There are empty seats in this place. It's because there's a struggle. It's spiritual warfare. It's a fight for the souls of men. And you don't get that easy. Do you hear what I'm saying, church? You don't get that easy. It's a fight. Satan is not going to relinquish that territory easy. And all we got is the gospel message. And, 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 if, we don't, and if we don't wear that the way that we should, we don't even have a shot. Not really. To see men really change and transform. So this tells me, that Satan is going to attack the church. Well, watch this. He ain't going to prevail. In the end, God's word is going to win. In the end, the church will prevail. When I say that church, I'm talking about his church. The one and the only church. So watch this. Young people in the back. This is why you can stay with Jesus. Stay with him no matter what because in the end, you win. You hear what I'm saying? In the end, when it's all said and done, when all your friends who look at you because you're afraid to walk into your environments and talk about Jesus because you don't want to be ostracized, you don't want to be looked at as being weird, you don't want to be pushed aside as being another lunar tune, all right? You, you want friends, but here's what I'm trying to tell you. And, and at the end of it all, God and his word is going to prevail. So here's my message. Stay with Jesus. 
stay with them. Because in the end, you win. And the devil knows it. He's upset about it. And when you know you won, you can just sit back and look and say, whatever. <laughs> he can't, how do you know Satan can't really do anything to you? Not really. I mean, you already won. I mean, he can try to make you upset. He try to steal your joy. He work overtime and steal your joy. That's all he can do. He can try to, he can try to, he tries every day to take your joy. That's all he tries to do. And he tries to block you. He wants you to forget about who you are and what you've already accomplished in Christ. He wants you to throw all that to the side. He wants you to be so narrowly focused that you don't even see that you've already crossed over. Good God. You've already won. You've already crossed over. You've already got the victory. And so sometimes when you're going through trials and situations in life, you, you lose sight of that. And Satan's job is to make you, he can't take your salvation, but he want to make you ineffective. He want to have you walking around in depression and walking around filled with anxiety till you can't see the truth. And the truth is you have been made free. You've already won in Jesus. You've already won. It's the deception of the enemy. The gates of hell will not prevail. This is the good thing. This is the good part. Continuing on with the message, Jesus then is, he's a chief cornerstone. That's the title of our message today. The cornerstone is the foundation. Whenever they build, the cornerstone is the first stone. It's the, it's, it, it, it starts it all. It's the beginning. Jesus is the chief, the scripture says, the chief cornerstone, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6 says, Therefore, it is also contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, Jesus. Elect. How many know he's elect and he's precious? Hallelujah. And he who believes on him. See? He who believes on him. He who believes on him. Him, the chief cornerstone. Not chief cornerstones, plural, but singular. He who believes in him will by no means be put to shame. The Bible says that he's the chief's cornerstone. It simply is communicating that he is the foundation, no pun intended, of the church. He is the architect. He is the engineer of the church. He's the author and the finisher and the perfecter of all those who belong to the family of God. In order to be a member of the church, you must receive Christ. As Savior, you must receive Christ, not Muhammad, not Buddha. Are y'all listening to me? But Christ as Savior. See, I probably if I if I was listening, somebody's listening to this message online. I probably lost a whole lot on right there when I said that. Man, they can't take it. But how many know that somebody got to stand up for the truth, right? I mean, somebody got the truth is the truth. Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and like nobody get there but through me." I don't know how you can mis I don't know how you can misinterpret that. That is about as plain as plain can get. And Jesus made no bones about it that he is the way to God. So continuing on here. So Jesus is the foundation of the church. He built it. He gives the message. The church is comprised of the people who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. So then, the true church of Jesus Christ has no walls, no borders. It welcomes all who receive Christ as Savior. Are you all with me? So then, church is not an address. That's what most, a lot of your folks, a lot of your religious people out here, to them, church is an address. But to you who know better, 
Church is your way of life. You are that stone. The Bible says in 1 Peter, it, it, uh, it says, you're coming to him as a living stone. That's what you and I are. We're living stones, man. We, we build, we are the church. We gather here at 75 Moncare Lane to simply worship. We gather here to worship together. But make no mistake about it, this ain't the church. And even if it was, quote unquote, a church building, it would not be the church. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? You are the church. You who receive Christ. You who are in Christ. That, that is the church. Not an address. Not a location. It's not something that we just simply do. It's who we are. It's what we live. It's our relationship to Jesus Christ. So if you are not in relationship with Christ, then you're not in church, really. Make sense? Because if the church is those who are in Christ and who have received Christ. So if you're not in Christ and have received him as Savior and live for him and toward him, then you're not in church even though you might be physically in a building called the church. I don't even know if I made sense, but I think y'all got it, right? It's a heavy dose of truth here today. Jesus makes it clear there's only but one body, one spirit, just as you were called, you were called. This is Ephesians 4, verses 4 and 6. You write it down. Good verse. This, this, this again cuts against the grain of this pluralism kind of salvation attitude. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. In the person of Christ. There's but one. Let's not get it twisted. Ecclesia. The church is the called out ones. Called out of the world. And called to serve Christ. This is. What the true church is. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verses 14 through 21. Again paints this beautiful picture. Of the church. And I'm defining here what church really is. We already discovered that the message comes from God. It comes from Christ. He's a messenger. He tells us what to preach. He tells us to stay true to the word. And then he tells us that we are his church. We are his body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 14 to 21. For in fact the body is not one member of many. I'm going to read this fast. If the foot shall say because I'm not of the hand. Am I not of the hand of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set members, each one of them, in the body just as it pleased. He's given us gifts. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again to the head, to the feet. I have no need of you. Why? Because we're all tied together. This is the picture of the church. The church is people who have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And if that is the truth, and it is, that means the church is all throughout the world. Isn't it absolutely amazing? The church of Jesus Christ. Jesus then 
He says something that I think that is very important as we're talking about our relationship with each other and our uh, communicating with the world and how the world view us. Because the world needs to see us different. The world must see the church as different. The world cannot see us as one and the same. We can't identify. We can't be so identified with the world that there is no distinction. And Jesus said, this, and this is a John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. Jesus said this, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, and that you also love one another. By this, by this, by this, all will know that you are my disciples. Ain't that amazing? The thing that, come on church, let's be honest. What's one of the most difficult things about going to church? Come on, let's be honest. One of the most difficult things of going to church is there are people there. <laughs> Am I right? And isn't it true that sometimes people just get on your nerves? <laughs> right? I don't care whether the church is big or whether the church is small. Wherever there's people in relationships, there are always problems. Well, I'm going to go to another church, man, because I, I didn't get along with Junior, man. That Junior, I, I can't stand. I don't like Junior. Well, you just find another Junior at another place. It might be a different kind of Junior, but it'll be another. Then you'd be mad at that one. Then you'd be mad at this one. I mean, because, because, because understand something, church. This thing called love is deep. Jesus says that one of the ways that people, and, and, if you, and you can allow me to import this word here, and I, I think I'll be, I think I'll still be true to the scripture. Jesus said that one of the ways that people are going to know you, and my disciples, is the love that we have for each other. But I will go on to say that one of the ways that people will know that we are his church is the love that we have for one another. You see? So, so because relationships are hard, and the devil fights us mostly in the area of relationships. That's what, I mean, that's, what, that's the big problem with churches. That's why, that's why we have so many problems. And Jesus said, now watch. He says, well, people are supposed to look at the church and see all your different backgrounds, sociological, ecological, uh, uh, what's the word, uh, you know what I'm trying to say, uh, economically uh, background. Your background is different. Um, your racial background. Uh, your social background, your, you know, all of us are different and diverse. And people are supposed to look at us and say, how do all these people with all these different backgrounds and races and creeds and social background, all these different economical backgrounds, how in the world are all these people together and they love each other like that? That doesn't, how do y'all do that? Can you imagine what that would say to the world when a church truly walked in that kind of love, that we forgive each other? When we hurt each other, that you know what, we just pull over on the side and say, you know what, I forgive you and let it go. But we say, I forgive you and we walk, don't we? <laughs> That's what we do. I forgive you, but I'm leaving, which really means we ain't really, really forgave them. We're just getting rid of the problem so we won't have to deal with it. But true love stays. Watch. True love hangs in there. Are y'all hearing me? True love endures. 
That's what that's why Jesus says, and he said it, and it sounds like it's so simple, right? He says, one of the ways that people are gonna one of the ways that people are gonna know you're mine, my church, my disciple, my people, my church. He said, people are gonna know because they're gonna look at the way you love each other and it's gonna blow their minds. And yet we oftentimes do just the opposite. In part because, watch this, because we have a lot of fakers that come into the building. Those who would, would be Christians who are not truly committed to this. How many know that Satan has planted some tear among the wheat? Now y'all do understand that, right? So understand that. But love endures it all. So this, this is, as a church, as a people of God, we got to get this thing down into our hearts and our spirits. We got to be so committed to loving each other that even when we disagree, we can still love each other and continue on in faith. Jesus, why? Because Jesus is one of the ways that people are going to know because we love each other. This is his church. He established a church. He called the church. He gave us a message that belongs to him. That's a, a message for the church and for all the peoples of the world. And we can't compromise it. So the church, you're the church. We must be committed to the church. We must be committed to one another until Jesus comes back. And in face of all of the trials and tribulations that we are encountering today, all of the pushback, I want to encourage you, Christian, that don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial that's come against you to test you. It's supposed to happen. We're supposed to be tested. We are supposed to be ostracized. We're supposed to be isolated because the truth of God's word does it. It's going to cause us to be in position. But here's the beautiful thing about it. If we stay true to God's word, God will extrapolate a people that he's already fashioned for himself. There's a remnant that God already has. And the only way we're going to get that remnant is we got to stay true, no matter what, to the word of God. Amen? Amen. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Father, in the name of